So obviously want to talk about uh, the upcoming show we got at the Parish Room, the 20 Years of Fear Tour, and of course the new album and get your opinion on a couple things. But uh, no way to kind of not talk about the last couple of years we've all had to endure with this pandemic and madness and every band sitting at home and Certainly when it comes to creating new music, you were kind of on a roll like every two years. Condolences in 17, Necrophase in 19. So I'm assuming Horrifier was supposed to come out in 21. But you tell me, take me back to like March of 2020. Where were you at? Were you even thinking of a new record at that point? Um, I don't think I was writing for it, but I was definitely thinking, like basically thinking, well, what what the hell are we going to do? Because... The Necrophase record came out on September 26th, and the world shut down about, <laughs> like, you know, six months later. So we only really toured for that record as, as a support band just for a couple of weeks. So once the world shut down and it just kept getting shut down, I'm like, we just put a brand new record out that no one even really got to hear. We didn't get to promote it, really. We didn't get to play on it. So it was kind of weird just to go all right, we'll start working on another one because I put so much into that last record. We had so many special guests on it. We had Alice Cooper on it. We had like, you know, it was just a, a lot of work. And then it was like, all right, well, it's dead to the public. So start a new one. So it was kind of a, kind of a kick in the side to go, all right, well, here we go again. But yeah, I mean, again, I, I did, wasn't going to let it get me down. And I just went back to doing what I, what I know how to do. And we started writing the songs and uh, we just had a little bit more time to write because, the world just kept getting shut down longer and longer and longer. And I did not want to put a record out during, you know, the pandemic because our last one fell on its face because of that. So I was going to wait till the scene, the waters were clear and, and, and launch it then. Yeah. And that's interesting what you said about Necrophase too, because I've talked to some other artists who put out an album in say 2020 and they're like, well, no, I'm, I'm torn on it. If it takes me till 2022 to tour on it, then I'm going to wait and tour on it then. So, but you obviously made that decision kind of like, all right, the Necrophase is done on to the next one. I could have done that, but at the same time, I probably would have been bored with it by by (laughs) then. You know, I just, I like to keep stuff fresh. That's why I've always did records. So, you know, so often, you know, I mean, it's, it's easy for me to to write this music and it's fun for me to write this music. It's never been, it's never been a chore to do, you know? So that's why I constantly put out music and I see a lot of bands, you know, that I've listened to for years. I'm like, you know, I've got more records out than they do. <laughs> I've been listening <laughs> to them since I was a kid. I'm like, Hey, what's going on here? Right. Right. Yeah. How many guns and roses records are there really? I think there's like what there's like eight or nine Motley Crue records, and I'm on my ninth record. <laughs> so it's just, but again, they they've got their reasons, and you know. But I'm just saying, I've I've been able to do what I do, and it's also fun to do that. I mean, my early, my favorite bands, you know, uh, are the original Alice Cooper band, Kiss. Those bands were putting out records once a year yeah. in the '70s, and and it's their greatest stuff, you know. So I always try to think of that when I when I write music. Go, if they if they can do it. I, I can try to do it that way, too. You know, touching upon uh, Necrophase and, and all the guest spots and, and fun stuff on that record, I imagine uh, no guest spots on, on Horrifier then? No, I just left it as, as is. Actually, the Horrifier is the most least involved of anybody outside the band. I mean, I, I produced the record myself. We recorded it ourselves at, at my 
home studio or house, and we just had a, a friend of ours who I've known for years mix the record. He mixed several of my records in the past. So other than just the band uh, and, and a, a mixer was the only person involved in this record. And I, and I wanted it to be that way because the two years off was such a weird time. I didn't want... Everybody was kind of, you know, everybody kind of had a little, the brain was a little foggy, I think. I just mm-hmm. didn't want to get someone else in there with a foggy brain to confuse us even more. So I went, I know what I want, and I don't think I need anybody this time to, to tell me how to do it. So luckily we, we did it this way, and uh, I think we made a, a killer record, and everybody so far seems to, the reaction so far has been great. Yeah, I love what I've heard so far, and I was trying to figure out for you, but I guess I'll just go ahead and ask you, man, which video did you have more fun making, Insides Out or So Hideous? They were both hilarious. They were both fun. Uh, I love my video director, Vicente. He's a good friend of mine, and we we love working together, so it's never a chore to do a video. Insides Out uh, was the last one we just filmed. We actually filmed two videos in one day, so we filmed Insides Out, and we filmed the video for the next single, Good Day to Be a Bad Guy. That'll be out in like three weeks. So we filmed two videos that day, and it was a blast. But Insides Out, to me, was more fun just because I had the full band there that time. I, I like, you know, it was, it was a performance thing, whereas Hideous was, was basically just recreating the Exorcist scenes from that. <laughs> uh, but it was also fun for Insides Out to get to get gory and do almost a horror-type movie with the torture scenes in it. And yeah. uh, the actors in it were perfect. It turned out great. I mean, it's... It's probably my favorite video that I that I've made. Like I I saw it instantly and just was like I got goosebumps and I didn't make I didn't make one change to the edit. Uh, it was just perfect the first time. So uh, it's always good to make a video uh, that you're that you're happy with because when you're filming those things, I never know how they're going to turn out. You know, because it's like I think we're doing something good here. Let's hope the edit turns out right. And uh, I think we got two two home runs with those videos. Yeah, for sure, man. But both of those videos, like just reading the title, knowing it's coming from you, I'm already going in with a smile on my face. And then for Hideous to be the poltergeist reenactment and then insides out and you ripping out teeth and everything, I was like, oh, this is perfect. You know, here's a, here's a little inside story. That tooth is a real tooth. That was my wisdom tooth I had pulled out two years ago before the Necrophase album. <laughs> oh, wow, and so you hung on to it. So, yeah, so I was like, hey, we got to pull a tooth out, but let's not get a, let's get a real tooth. So I use, I use my real tooth in that. <laughs> That's awesome. Dude, one other thing I, I do want to touch upon, uh, and even though it's not technically part of the Horrifier album, but I absolutely loved the Devil Inside cover. I, I feel like that's a song that's been been dying to be covered by a hard rock metal band for a long time. And, and when I saw you doing it, I was like, oh, this is perfect. Was it no-brainer, or did you have a different NXS tune picked out, or was it that one from the get-go? Um, our guitarist, uh, Ramon, had an idea for that song for years. Like you said, you always heard someone going, man, somebody needs to do a cool version of that song. And he's had that idea for years, and when we were recording the record we we're like all right let's do a couple of cover tracks so that was one of the ones that we instantly did and that and we did wasp uh as well as the other cover that we yeah. did uh, but yeah it, it turned out great and we released it during the pandemic and even though it was during the pandemic i i didn't even realize it till going back and looking at numbers like like on the on the uh, streaming services that song did a lot i mean it's like it's like in our top five songs played on on of the Wednesday 13 catalog. Wow. Um, I think a lot of people did like it. Uh, it just sucked because we were at home. <laughs> we couldn't <laughs> go out and do anything, you know? So, uh, but, uh, but I am proud of that song and, and we had a cool video with it as well. So, um, so yeah, it just kind of fell on some, I think, deaf ears during the pandemic. But, uh, but yeah, maybe, maybe we'll work that back up and 
start putting in the live set somewhere. Yeah, that's what I was kind of hoping for. Well, two questions before I get ahead of myself. A, is there any uh, covers coming on Horrifier that you can tell us about? No, we didn't do any. Uh, we didn't do any covers. Actually, we did one cover, and I didn't finish it in the final mix. Whether we do it or not, we actually did a re-recording of "Murder Dolls Dead in Hollywood" from the first album. Uh, oh wow! Just because it was twenty years ago, I just didn't finish it at the very end. We were rushing to get the record done, and I was like, "We got all the music done. I just didn't finish the lyrics on it." So if I if I finish the lyrics on it and and I like it. It may see the light of day. Uh, I didn't really want to do a lot of covers this time. I just really wanted to concentrate on the record. But we're always sitting around talking about cover ideas. It's just actually going in the studio and recording them, the, the, the problem. I hear you. I hear you. And I hope I hope you do kind of work up that devil inside a, a cover live because that would be great to hear. And, and certainly want to touch upon the tour, the 20 Years of Fear coming up here mm-hmm. uh, October 23rd at the Parish Room inside the House of Blues Anaheim, along with uh, Spirit in the Room. Looking forward to that show. Yeah, it's going to be good. I think that's the uh, sort of finishing up the tour there. We have a we, we have a few more dates we're adding toward the end of the tour after that that weren't originally booked on the tour because uh, our European tour got canceled with Ministry. I don't know why, but they canceled their whole tour and everything fell apart. So we've added a few more dates to the end of this tour. But, uh, but yeah, uh, it originally was going to end there at the, at the Parish Rams, but I think we've added another, another four or five dates onto it and going up into Seattle and Portland and Vancouver uh, on this run as well. So we're going to be out till Halloween pretty much. As you should be. <laughs> and I imagine the uh, the new tunes in the set, Inside's Out and So Hideous, at least? Absolutely. And they're going over just like a classic song already. Like, everybody knows everybody knows the, the words to it. Inside's Out is probably my favorite song to play in the entire set out of all the songs. It's just such a massive, just, it catches people's attention. It's so heavy and slow, but you can't help but just move your head to it. And the lyrics are just ridiculous. <laughs> as they should be, as they should be. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Spirit in the Room, are they doing the whole tour with you or just that show? Just just that show. We've been doing uh, local acts and all the venues just throughout the states. And uh, we did it last tour. It worked out that uh, that way. It's just, you know, sometimes we take support bands, and this time we thought it was better just to do the locals. And uh, so far, so good. And, uh, dude, you touched upon it. Of course, I had to touch upon it and talk a little murder dolls with you and rest in peace yep. for, for Joey. And I wanted to take a, well, I get so many thoughts because you mentioning that, that cover, you covering it, which I, I would love to hear. But uh, I wanted to try to frame it a little bit differently and, and think back upon Joey. I'll use it myself as an example. I lost a friend a few years ago to cancer. And what do we do all, all as music fans? We sit around and play, oh, I like this band. I like that band. You know, you, you right. agree on certain bands and then you introduce your friends to other bands. Well, if you like this, well, you got to check out this. So like my friend Steve, who passed away from cancer, we were both Iron Maiden fans. And going back, you know, 20 years ago or whatever, he's like, hey, there's this new band, Detroit You Okay, I kind of get that. And then he said, well, right. here's this other band, AFI. And I was like, man, I do not get this band at all. So I'm kind of curious for you and, and your friendship with Joey. Was there a band or an album that he turned you on to that you fell in love with? Or was oh. it the exact opposite where he tried to tell you like, hey, this is this is the next big thing. And you're like, man, I do not get this at all. Um, Joey was probably one of the biggest music fans I've ever met that played music. I mean, listen to everything. I'm talking black metal to Foreigner to Allman Brothers Band, you know, 
he grew up on 70s rock with his parents listened to it. But when we first met, we both, you know, liked a lot of the same bands is how we got along. But as we started hanging out, you know, he would be like, oh, have you heard? Because, like, I didn't get into black metal. I didn't understand black metal. And I'm like, I was like, I want to understand this. Play me a band that I'll like. And he's like, I don't think you're going to like everything. He goes, but you're going to love Satyricon. And he played Satyricon. And I loved it. But the band that he turned me on to, as I've been indebted to him for the rest of my life, he turned me on to the the band Killing Joke. And they are, have become my favorite band next to Alice Cooper since, since then. He, Joey wanted to do a cover of a Killing Joke song. And I'm like, I don't know any of their songs. So he's like, listen to this record. And I put it on and I don't think I ever took it off. And then I just started going into their catalog and that band has been putting out great music since like 1978. Um, they're pretty much responsible for, they even were doing the industrial stuff before industrial, they gets, they've touched on everything, punk, industrial, metal, goth. Um, and it was just a different thing for me. Uh, and it, and it, and it changed my world, even vocally, uh, the way I sing now, like, uh, just such a huge influence on me. So, uh, yeah. And that was just, that's just one of the bands. I mean, that faith, no more, uh, a lot of bands I wasn't really into. And he's like, you got to give it a shot. Very, very uh, lucky I had a, a guy like him to turn me on to stuff like that, or I would just be this closed-minded person I used to be and listen to one style of music. <laughs> was there anything that, that you reciprocated to him? Is there anyone that you turned him on to that he wasn't aware of, or did he know everything? He was just that encyclopedia. I was always into the obscure Sunset Strip, 80s glam bands that were, you know, the ones that maybe didn't make it, uh, that were in the back of the magazine. There was a band called uh, The Ultras, this band called Motorcycle Boy that was out on this label called Triple X. I think James Addiction was their biggest artist at the time. So there were little bands like that I turned him on to uh, that he was, that he was into and never heard of as well. But, uh, but yeah, we, we both did the same thing. We were both, check this out, check this out. Um, we were just, again, we're both big music fans and I think he knew what I would like and I knew what, what he would like. Was there one band that you, that you adamantly disagreed on that either he loved or you loved and he didn't or vice versa? I don't think he liked enough's enough and I love enough's enough. That's <laughs> <laughs> the first band I could think of that he was like, I hate them. And I'm like, I love them. So, but it wasn't like we were going to be enemies about it. It was just like, I hate them. Right. And I was like, I just, I disagree. He wasn't down with Fly High Michelle. No, I don't think so, but, but I am. Chip and Chips became a friend of mine. We just played a show with him like two weeks ago, uh, which was hilarious. I didn't think we, we played some festival at, uh, at the Rainbow behind the, uh, behind the Roxy for the Labor Day party. And it was like us and Lita Ford and Enough's Enough. I was in, I was in heaven. <laughs> Did you get to tell Chip that story? I've I've known Chip for for a while. I don't think I've told him about the Joey thing, but uh, every time I see Chip, Chip's always got got the best weed. So I, we usually <laughs> smoke weed and forget talking about it anyway. Yeah, I'm sure he's got plenty of stories on his own too. Absolutely. Well, dude, I, I can't thank you enough for the time. I just got to hit you with one last thing, man. We are one yeah. of those old school radio stations. We do mandatory Metallica every night at 10 p.m., which you're going to be a part okay. of. And I was trying to think of it a little bit differently. Say it was for charity or something, some sort of cause or whatever. What Metallica song would Wednesday 13 cover if he had to? Oh, man. My favorite Metallica record is Injustice for All. Really? Uh, so I'm not a giant Metallica fan. I definitely respect them and know all their, a lot of their stuff. 
but the uh, Injustice for All record was was one of my was one of my favorites. And I I like the I like the shortest for all song. Ah, I, I thought that was a cool song. Yeah, that would probably be the one I I, I would pick. And I'd put some if I if I could cover it, and I'd put some real bass in it. Yeah, that was my next thing, dude. <laughs> but we didn't know back then, right? Or did we know back then that there was zero bass in that album? You know, to me, it had that same production almost. The drums on that record kind of sounded like anthrax to me. Uh, but again, I'm playing these cassettes and stuff through a little tiny boom box that didn't even have bass on it. You know what I mean? So <laughs> right. really paid attention to it like that. I don't think I really even noticed it until people started talking about it, you know, for me. Yeah, me neither. I mean, we're about the same age, and when it came out, it was just, oh, it's another Metallica record, and didn't think twice about it until, until people started pulling yeah. it out. <laughs> so, Shortest Draw, beautiful. That's the one that will rock for you, and uh, beautiful, man. Thank you so much for the time and the tunes, and can't wait for the album and the show at the Parish Room. Me too, man. Thank you so much. Thanks. Bye-bye. All right, dude. Dude, you absolutely rock. Thank you so much for checking out the entire interview. Now just hit subscribe. Subscribe to the podcast, Radioactive Mike Z. My interviews in their entirety, available on all the major platforms. Tune in, Stitcher, iTunes, SoundCloud, whatever you're listening to right now. Just hit the subscribe button. Make sure to give me a follow on the socials as well. I'll follow you back at MikeZ967. And bro, don't miss the radio show. Now 10 p.m to midnight on 96.7 KCAL Rocks in the Southern California Inland Empire area, Riverside, San Bernardino County. Always streaming on live at kcalfm.com. You, my friend, absolutely rock.